0: Um, I- I did a test run, and, um, I think I have it figured out, probably, so, um, welcome, this is Ellie's podcast, um, this is so impulsive, I- like, I want to write you something that's, like, good, um, but honestly, I just, like, I just want to be able to, like, make something right now, um, I have so much homework, like, you have no idea how much fucking homework I have, um, I have- a full week's worth of history homework Uh, no no no, not history homework it's the entire class because it's an online class I have a full week of history class for two different classes and I haven't started any of it um I think it's due in two days so that's fun um but this is more important right now I don't know if it sounds weird, this microphone looks like crazy expensive, but it honestly sounded a little bit foggy the first time that I did it, but, um, it's whatever. It feels weird talking to you without video, I feel like I should be looking at myself, um, although I know that doesn't matter. So yeah, hi, this is your cousin and best friend Ellie, um, <laughs> This feels so weird. If you could see this room, first of all, it is so fucking muggy in here. It is so hot and I don't know what to do. I guess I could turn off the lights, but like, then I'm just sitting here in the darkness. Okay. I turned off one of them and, um, I don't know if the lights are what is causing the heat, but like, God damn, it is so hot in here and I can't open the door because I everyone's going to hear this. Anyways, it's fine. Um, you know, I'm going to try to keep decent distance away from this microphone because I feel like I'm going in and out and on Audacity like the recording app on the Mac I can see like it gets really big with the sound waves and then it gets really small so I'm gonna try to stop um anyways today I'm going to tell you about I was just thinking of like things that I could talk a long time about um, that if I make a mistake, it's not going to be embarrassing. Like, I could tell you a lot about the French Revolution, but chances are I'm going to get a lot wrong. And then not only are you misinformed, but also I just look kind of stupid. Because, like, that's my thing. Like, the French Revolution is my thing. And if I don't know, like, I don't know. Like, I feel like that's just, that's too much pressure for right now. So, the the story of, it's, it's both albums. It's, oh, I hate, I hate the fucking title of the first one. It's, I brought you my bullets you brought me your love and also three cheers for sweet revenge it's one story um and it's a good one um people always say that the black parade is their best concept album in terms of just like story and like how the album conveys that story but I literally like I don't get a a story when I'm like, listening. I almost said reading. I'm not reading The Black Parade. When I'm listening to The Black Parade, like, I don't get, like, an overarching story. Like, if you told me the story beforehand and then I listened to it, yeah, I'd probably get it. But, like, I don't get there's a cancer patient and he's dying. Whatever the fuck. Mama, I get, okay? I, <laughs> I hear, like, I don't know how to explain what mama is. You know what mama is. World War One, but also kind of ghosts and it's the parader, supposedly. That's not what I'm here to talk about. I'm here to talk about the better story. Oh, well, the most cohesive of any album is Danger Days, of course, but that's also relying heavily on a comic and music videos. Like, it's like an in-universe album, you know? And I, I like that, but it just... (laughs) that's not what a concept album is, okay? So when we're talking about... I'm just going to be calling it Bullets because it's humiliating to say that entire title. When we're talking about Bullets and Revenge, it's... I don't know. I feel like it's much more interesting than talking about the Black Parade, and most people would disagree with me on that, but it's fine. Um, I, I keep moving. Here, let me move the mic. This is so humiliating. Yeah, fucking move, bitch. Oh, I think I just broke it. Whatever. Um this is good enough. We're going to stay like this. I'm going to stay looking at the computer and talking out loud. It feels weird because the microphone's on my side. Anyways, um, (laughs) I'm also, I'm not, I'm not like pausing. I'm not going back. I'm not doing retakes. Um, so this might be kind of, might be kind of shit. I'm like five minutes in already and I think I've, I've fucked up like six times and I'm not going to do anything. Um, anyways, bullets so we're gonna start I'm gonna start with bullets um that is debatable I guess um but honestly no it's fucking not and if you think that it is shut up and kill yourself I'm sorry I don't mean that let me get my laptop out I'm going to run through song by song with you and if you want to pull up the lyrics you can but I I'll be telling you enough that you don't need to Um, so essentially, yeah, let's start with Bullets, jump right in. I feel so official, my legs are crossed, I have a little water bottle. I'm a real podcaster, I'm a real, uh, content creator. First, I have to tell you about our sponsors, Audible. Um, okay, so we are going to look up, oh, Bullets starts out with the song Romance. If you haven't heard it, go listen to it right now. It's like a minute long. Um, I don't believe no, no, I, I have this wrong. So it was not written by My Chemical Romance. You can you can hear that. It's um I think it's from the twenties. It's like Italian music. It's very nice. It sounds weird. Um I it just it it works. It's like the type of shit you'd hear in like The Godfather, I guess. I only got halfway through that movie. I got to the point where they get, like, the horse head in the bed, and then, um, I was like, oh, that's the cool part. There's no point in finishing it, so I never did. Um, it sounds like that. It's like The Godfather, and you're like, oh, they're, like, Italian dudes from New Jersey. Checks out. It kind of fucking does. Like, honestly, like, it makes sense. Like, I don't know. A lot of people are like, I don't understand what romance is, but it's like, no, you gotta think, like, you know, I cook a pizza. Like, it just, it works. Like, I don't know, maybe I'm stupid for this, but, like, I look at Frank Iero and that sort of just, like, you know, it's a me, a Mario, like, it it works, but, like, in, like, a, I don't know, anyways, that's not important, romance, good song, um, I would play it, but I feel like that'll be weird, um, because I feel like that's a good ambiance for, like, this whole thing, like, the whole story, but I don't know, it's weird, um, good song but so it was written it's like an italian song from the 20s i want to say i could be wrong about that now just because it was written in fucking italy a billion years ago does not mean that is the take that they're using okay this song was played by ray toro of course that's why it sounds so good but the thing that's most insane to me about romance is the fact that the original song was already fast but ray i don't this man is like Who's the Greek god of music? It's Apollo, right? He's like a Percy Jackson demigod in like House Apollo. Like House Apollo? Is Cabin Apollo? I don't know. Game of Thrones is fucking with me where everything is a house. Like instead of like a family, like it's a house. I don't know. Um what was I saying? Oh. So, I think, like, Ray, I don't know. There's something about him. Like, he was, like... He had to have been, like, gifted. I mean, maybe he just, like, sold his soul. But, like... I don't know. Like, he's good enough that, like... I don't even think he needs to have sold his soul to the devil. Like, he can just fucking do that. You know? Plus, he's too nice to have sold his soul. Anyways. Ray Toro heard that and was like, No. Speed it up. Um... Which is just insane, but it's a wonderful song. Sorry, I got cut off there. Um, next up, we have um, Honey, This Mirror Isn't Big Enough for the Two of Us. I had to Google it. I didn't know if it's Honey, This Mirror's Not Too Big for the Two of Us or Honey, This Mirror Isn't Big Enough for the Two of Us. I didn't know where the contraction went, but it, it is, in fact, isn't. <laughs> so, it's a good one. Um, so, this song is... I mean... Not great within the narrative. If we're going to talk about... (laughs) The story behind this song. It's pretty clear. Um, Little known fact. That's sarcasm. But actually, you might not know this. Gerard Way was like... Very... Badly an alcoholic. And a drug addict. But mostly an alcoholic. Um... And it really got- it was the worst- By the way, just by the way, this isn't- this isn't just, like, me talking about someone's dirty laundry. This is all in life on the murder scene, okay? This is public information that he wants people to know, okay? But, um, it didn't really get awful, awful until the revenge era. So, when this song was written, it wasn't- it wasn't a sort of, like- This is the thing that's going to kill me right now. It was, I mean, it was still a problem. It was still a pretty big problem, but, um, it wasn't, it gets a lot worse in the revenge era, but we won't be talking about that because revenge doesn't have any songs about being addicted to drugs. So sorry. Anyways, this song is about, yeah, being on drugs. It's also about having a difficult time knowing that Mikey was doing drugs, (laughs) I think that's a big part of it. And it's, that's in the lyrics. It's like, uh, it's, it's essentially addressed to pills and it's like, you're not going to get my brother. Wait, let me find the one. And you can't touch my brother and you can't keep my friends. That's the line. Um, also, I guess it was like a, it was like a real concern for a while that Mikey was going to get AIDS and die. Um, which I mean, it was the early two thousands. Of course, this was a worry. Um, but I just, like like that's just that's an interesting little tidbit. I I feel sorry for Gerard that he had to worry about that for his little brother, but Jesus. Okay. Um Oh, also, one time Ian McKellen so off topic, but speaking of uh homophobic stereotypes, is Ian McKellen like a 'Cause I when I think of like stereotypical gay actor, I think of him. But um there's rumors that he was hitting on Mikey at like a Oscars party. Not Oscars. They weren't at the Oscars. It was some fucking party. And Ian McKellen and My Chemical Romance were both there. And I guess he took some interest in Mikey. I don't know. Anyways, not important. Um so yeah, this one's about drugs, but so we're gonna start the narrative now. I'm gonna shut up about the behind the scenes shit about bullets, because honestly, like it's so insane. I I couldn't get it all in. We're just going to start with the narrative. This song is about a bad relationship. I know. Shocking. Um, maybe I should set the scene a little bit. There's no real, I guess, confirmed timeline for this. But given that it's meant to be a sort of Bonnie and Clyde story, I always kind of imagine... I don't know. 20s or 30s. Um, like, late enough that... A car would be common. But early enough that. It's still kind of westerny. y um, You know. Bonnie and Clyde. And. <laughs> I guess I should probably introduce. Um, the characters. You know the setting now. I guess. You know. Yeehaw. But. The only people you need to know. So far. Very simple. There's. The demolition man. And the demolition woman. Now. They're on the cover of Revenge, so you already know what they look like. No pickers needed. Um, it's it's pretty straightforward. <laughs> but that's what this song is about. They have a relationship that's, like, just, like, not good. Um, you know what? I, I kind of just had this realization that, um, like, half the songs on bullets, like, don't matter in this story. Um... like early sunsets over Monroeville is about zombies which have absolutely nothing to do (laughs) with the demolition lovers so what i'm gonna do is not tell you song by song um now i would go back and just delete what i have about romance and honey but um I told you the Ian McKellen story, and I'm not gonna redo that, so you have to stick with me. I hope you're doing something. I hope you're you're doing something with your hands. you're keeping busy because otherwise this is this is so fucking stupid. Um <laughs> So yeah, let's just we'll go straight into the story. This is how I interpret it, and it's not. This is not canon, I guess. There's no, like, official canon. But if you want proof, I can fucking give you proof, okay? I have thought this through. This is what I would think about as I fell asleep at night. I would think about how I adapt this into a screenplay. Okay, like, I know my stuff. Um. (laughs) So, yeah. Let's just say 20s to 30s. Decent time frame. Out west. I like to think New Mexico. That's my... I don't know. I just feel like that's very... It's like... It's the desert. You know, Gerard loves the desert. And of course this thing was meant to be in the desert. And and you get that in Demolition Lovers. Like you get actual textual confirmation that this happens in the desert. But also it's just... It's a Bonnie and Clyde story. So you assume it's in the in the desert. And... Two main characters. There's the Demolition Man and the Demolition Woman. Very creative. And... so essentially they're in this relationship that's like not good okay it's not great and it's kind of difficult to determine how this relationship started but strangely enough we kind of get the sense that they met maybe at a carnival um some of the first pieces of imagery we get in the album is from This is the Best Day Ever, which, by the way, I saw live. Not to flex or anything, but I did see it live. Um, And there's a burning Ferris wheel. And you actually see that on the back, on, like, the vinyl cover of Bullets, there's a burning Ferris wheel. On the other side, it's Houdini. I at first thought it was a dude hanging from a noose. I was like, that's awful, but no, it's Harry Houdini. Um, (laughs) Which is so funny. (laughs) Um, What was I saying? Oh, so there's sort of implications that these two met at a carnival that they, they ruined. Um, but that's not really certain. That's, that's just my speculation. Okay. But, um, what we get mostly is it's not, it's not a good time. I mean, it's, it's a wonderful time. They're having a great time, but they're not good people. Um, this is mostly seen in Our Lady of Sorrows, which if you want to listen to it, No, not if you want to listen to it. Fucking listen to it. I don't care what you want, okay? Listen to this song. It's beautiful. Um, if you're gonna listen to anything off this album, make it either Vampires or Our Lady or Demolition Lovers. That's your homework. Um, you've heard Bullets, probably. I know the vocals are bad, but Jeff Rickley produced it, so you have to appreciate the guitars. Anyways. (laughs) Um they're, they're a couple and they're definitely doing a couple things in a certain way, I guess. Uh, they're doing crimes, essentially. They're doing a lot of crimes. Um, some killing is implied. Um, you know, some dark shit, just not, I don't know. It's a good time for them, but, um, there's, there's this whole verse in Our Lady that's essentially like, like, we're gonna die. Like, we know what we're doing right now is going to make us die, but, like, I don't know. We're having a good time, kind of, and, like, what else are we supposed to be doing? So, it's just, like, yeah, we're we're bad people, but, like, this is kind of just silly, and it's not in, like, a... I don't know. When you take vampires into account, which, by the way, has some of the most just gorgeous imagery... I think Vampires just sets the tone for the whole album, where it's not a sort of, like, you know, I crashed my car into a bridge. I don't care. It's not that sort of thing. By the way, that was fucking good, okay? Anyways, um, it's not that sort of thing where they're just, like, doing reckless shit because they're silly teenagers. It's, like, this is, like, a very, like, it's a bad thing. Like, it's, like, <laughs> it's, like, some dark stuff, um, there's a lot of, like, it just, like, desperation in it, there's a lot of, it's implied there's some weird religious stuff going on, I mean, listen to vampires, you'll get it, that's really just the tone, is, like, and personally, I don't think there are literally vampires, I think that song is more representative of these two people are, I mean, of course, very dependent on alcohol I mean that's all that vampires is really about but also like they're in a state of just like they keep destroying things and that's all they do is just destroy things um they're not doing well things are bad um you know pump this venom gaping hole it's just they are they're vampires will you stake my heart It's... I don't know. I don't feel like the vampire stuff is meant to be taken literally, and some people will disagree with me on that. Um, I think that song is just meant to really, like, show how bad things were. Like, things in this relationship were never... Healthy. (laughs) Um, That being said, the two of them... They definitely love each other a lot. They're just bad for each other. It's kind of like in Better Call Saul, which I know you've never seen, but um, they're like the Jimmy and Kim of My Chemical Romance. And um, it's good. It's really good. The imagery of them just like, you know, running around doing stuff. Anyways. <laughs> Essentially, this is how I interpret this next part. They're doing a crime. I like to imagine a bank robbery In which they killed at least one person. And they're driving in their old 1930s Bonnie and Clyde car. And bad things happen. And the demolition woman gets shot. Now, here's where things are a little weird in the narrative. Because um, we have this imagery, which... I keep talking about how wonderful the imagery is but I actually this again this one's wonderful and this is the best day ever um it talks about someone being hooked up to a like life support machine and it has just this like I don't know I love the way that the machines are described as like breathing for this person and it's I have a thing for like medical horror I think it's terrifying like clean white hospitals scare me so bad and it's, it's good stuff. Like, oh, it's great. But so the implication with that to me is, like, she was dying. Um, but obviously, like, the cops are, like, on their tail, right? Oh, that's how that's how she got shot. It was the cops. Um, they, like, crashed the car. Um, you know, they're definitely, like, crazy drunk. Um, you know, they got a chunk of ammunition. And... They hit the liquor store. Listen to Demolition Lovers, if this doesn't make sense. Um, And they, yeah, she got shot. But the the, the thing here is that she, like, he can't be sitting there watching her die in the hospital when she just got shot and they're running from the police. So I feel like this is more of a, like, metaphorical thing. Um, But, yeah, she dies. I don't think there was a literal life support machine or anything like that, but I think it's more of just, like, a an imagery thing, um, she dies. She's dead. And next up we have, uh, again, it's not chronological or anything like that, but it's implied, I guess. We get a uh, drowning lessons is essentially all about this. Um, there's this, it's, there's a, the whole thing's kind of wedding imagery, which you see mirrored in revenge with to the end. Um, which is also about A Rose for Emily, which, anyways, <laughs> we'll get into that later. Um, it's, it's about killing so many people. That's drowning lessons. And it has all this, I guess, wedding imagery. It has this imagery of killing a woman and putting her down a well. Um, but to me, that's more... The demolition man puts her in a well (laughs) um and there's piles and piles of bodies uh that aren't the bride in the song which would be the demolition woman and it introduces this idea of the 999 souls which i don't know how much you know about revenge but essentially the story is the demolition woman dies she gets shot by the cops, in my opinion, and the demolition man is so desperate to get her back, he makes a deal with the devil. It that doesn't necessarily have to be literal, like the the devil, the devil. But I think it's it's kind of cooler if it is. Maybe it's a vampire. I don't know. That um, if he kills one thousand people, he can have her back. Um, so that's what drowning lessons is. I like to think of it as it's the start of this whole thing this is when he starts his killing and that brings us to revenge so recap because i feel like i was kind of all over the place um (laughs) i give you a lot about the the images and stuff but not really a straightforward plot there is a couple and they do crimes together dark stuff out in the desert Bonnie and Clyde, but also vampires, but not in, like, a twilight way. Like, in a very dark, gross, blood, the church is burning way. And during their little crime spree, the woman gets shot. And the man, in his desperation, makes a deal with the devil. He will kill 1,000 people to bring her back. Now... <laughs> Let me pull up Revenge because this one is actually incredibly chronological and it will help me. This is sad because I used to know the track list off the top of my head and I still know it vaguely, but towards the end it kind of falls off. um Helena, we don't count. We don't count Helena. Sorry. um Give 'em Hell Kid. Beautiful song. I'm sure you know it. Give 'em Hell Kid is. So the Demolition Man has made this deal with the devil and he is on just a fucking spree. Dude is like tearing it up. He's he's killing. Um there's one of the first lines of the song is I took a train to New Orleans. No, there's no I. Just took a train to New Orleans and they shot me full of ephedrine. And I really like that first of all because I I kind of like this image of him Choosing to go, like, eastward, um, in order to carry out these killings, um, I don't know, I kind of like it, almost just like a weird kind of hero's journey type thing, like, he's going into, I, I don't know, I, I do like keeping the idea of, like, a new frontier, like, keeping, like, manifest destiny in mind, where the west is this new land, and he's actively moving backwards to go and... Carry out these crimes, and I also just really like—I don't know—when I imagine it, seeing him in you know New Orleans in the nineteen twenties and stuff. It's it's cool stuff. I really like it. Um, So for me, I sort of think, and you get this a little bit in Demolition Lovers. He probably started doing some killing out west, but I think you know he moves out east, and he—that's when he's into it, right? That's when it's what a, a spree. And, you know, it says he's shot full of ephedrine, which, again, I just love that. I think that is such, like, such a cool, like, way to convey that. Like, he's so obsessed with this. He doesn't sleep. He's always on stimulants. He's traveling everywhere. He's going on trains. He's, like... (laughs) <laughs> I don't know. I just, I really like this idea of someone pumping themselves full of drugs so they can just keep killing people. Like, I don't, it's very impactful to me. I really like Give Him Hell. Um, and of course at the beginning of Give Him Hell, you have, um, the demolition man, I guess, addressing, he says brothers and sisters. It's a very, like, preacher way to talk. Um, and says, you know, the devil knows where you are and so do I. Um, Oh! I forgot to mention, he can't just kill a thousand random people. He has to kill a thousand evil people. Evil people. So, he's actually doing the Lord's work out here. And for as much as people say, Revenge is, like, a very Catholic-coded album. I don't really get that from it. Um, Like, textually, but um, when I think about the story, it's keep your catholic aesthetics in mind okay that's this whole thing but yeah that's give them hell kid and that leads us to to the end which if you haven't read a rose for emily i think it's faulkner william faulkner wrote it maybe not i could be wrong uh it's a good one you should read it it's one of my favorite short stories there's a few racial slurs you have to ignore that uh it's just southern gothic um at the time (laughs) not saying that's a good thing um sorry, I've literally been here for like almost an hour. Once I figured out how to like edit, like I've been deleting everything. Anyways, to the end. Um, for me, well, there's some really good, you know, wedding imagery, but for me, the best stuff in this one is it kind of just expands on this whole killing spree. Um, oh, I don't, I don't want to, I hate reading out lyrics, but fuck it. We're just going to read this out. So this I think is the first verse and it is my favorite it's my favorite thing from this whole story is I guess for me this is the demolition man is at like a shitty hotel. He's, like, tracked someone down. I like to think he has, like, targets because it has to be evil people, um, and I like to think he keeps a record of it, and you'll see. Um, so it's this elevator only goes up to 10. He's not around. He's always looking at men, which, by the way, okay, that, that leads us to, you know what they do guys like us in prison in just a second, but the demolition man. Problematic bisexual. I've I support him. Um, Down by the pool, he doesn't have many friends. As they are, face down and bloated, snap a shot with the lens. So, his buddies, his friends, face down, bloated in the pool, because he's killed them, and they're dead. And he took a picture of them for his little records to show to Satan. Beautiful! It's incredible! It's wonderful. Um, To the end, the rest of it's mostly wedding imagery, um, and for me, I like to think this is total speculation. This is more of just like a me thing. Um, but I've always, I've always interpreted it as he, (laughs) he gasses out a wedding party. Like he kills like an entire room full of people at this little like new Orleans thirties wedding. Like, he he boards up all the doors to the church and clogs all the vents and just pumps it with, like, carbon monoxide. I think carbon monoxide gassing is the coolest thing. Because, like, when you just, like, like, someone opens up the church doors, there's just so many people dead. Like, that sounds so fucking gruesome. You know what I mean, though? Like, I just, I don't know. I feel like this song is, it's nice. I keep talking about imagery, but Gerard Way, man, he just, like he has such a way with words anyways next is you know what they do to guys like us in prison i think and the demolition man has been caught sadly he is in jail he's in prison and he has a very tense very violent very toxic homoerotic relationship with his cellmate this song back in 2005 was controversial um and listening to it now you're like hey maybe this is not the best way to represent a queer relationship but also it was 2005 they were doing what they could I don't feel like it's really subject to the standards of today I mean it wasn't that long ago but I don't know that's just my take it's it's a lot um, but yeah, they're in this he's got this thing going on with this guy, um, and this other character, I mean, I just call him the cellmate. it seems about right it's it seems to me this is almost, this is just my interpretation, um, but that like the demolition man like. This kind of demonstrates to me... I don't necessarily think this is, like, a close romantic relationship. Sorry, I just, like, clapped my hands into the mic. Um, I don't think this is, like, anything, like, close. This is a very, like, volatile, like... I don't know. It's, it's not a good thing, I don't think. Um, <laughs> but I think this kind of shows that the demolition man is starting to sort of shift his focus away from, like, this woman... And more towards just the act of killing. Um, which I think is a really interesting... I don't know. I like this sort of transition where he's more focused on this man. Um, and eventually the, the guys do some killing. Um, escape. Prison. Um, the Everything behind the scenes for this song is so batshit insane. Like, they recorded this song... I think I think the story is they had they had two movie screens and one was playing porn and one was playing a clockwork orange. and the whole time they were like recording the song, everyone was like stripping all the time because it was crazy hot attic. like it was just it's a very charged song, I guess. Um, it, it's just a masterpiece. I just turned on the light and scared myself. Holy crap. Um, but yeah, it's it's wonderful. I love prison. Um, next is I'm not okay. Which I don't think has much bearing on the story. We're just going to say he's not okay. He's sad. Um, and you might not know it. I'm just kidding. Um, I, don't, I don't care about... I'm not okay right now. Next is the ghost of you. And this sort of transitions into... So the demolition man is out of prison, out of jail, whatever it is. I don't really like prison because that feels too official. I think this was a sort of county jail deal. Um, and they killed... Kilt? Killed and burnt their way out of this prison jail. It's a jail, <laughs> and um, <laughs> this is like forty minutes long. Quincy. <laughs> Next is the ghost of you. He's, he's yeah. He's out of jail. He's um. I think he's doing some reflecting. I think after losing the cellmate, who dies, he dies in the escape. Not canon, but he dies. He dies in the escape. And, um, the Demolition Man is now sort of thinking, like, why am I doing this again? Like, oh, okay, this is, I just, re- I just remembered this. The Demolition Man so kills the cellmate. Like, that's, that's not implied in the song or anything, but, like, he so does. Because, like, first of all, another, like, evil soul to add to his list. But also just, like, like, in this relationship, like, that's the only way things could have ended. And it just, he kills him. Okay, it's with a knife. Um, Obviously a gun is impersonal. Remember Hannibal? Um, on the floor, blood everywhere. He kills the cellmate after they escape for no reason. Um, other than, well, to add to his bucket list of souls. The ghost of you, though, is after killing the cellmate, being on his own again, things have kind of slowed down. He has to, like, you know, go undercover for a hot minute. He just got taken in, he got arrested, so he's got to sort of hide and as he's in this period of like slowing down he's thinking more about the demolition woman and is thinking more about like why he's doing what he's doing but also just like like would she approve and what's gonna happen when he gets her back like it's this whole thing and it's it's not great he's kind of being really emo um but fuck it the jet set life is gonna kill you is next and um he he just sort of he lets go of thinking about her to do some drugs and kill some more people and he honestly feels a little bit maybe burnt out things are going very fast and um, they're going to come, by the end of the song, crashing to a halt, sort of. He's gone too fast for too long and uh, kind of burns out. You know, he had this his moment of contemplation with the ghost of you, but it really didn't stop anything. And um, it's it's rough. It's a rough time. And that brings us to the most gorgeous, beautiful, incredible, heavenly song, Interlude. He's praying. This is incredible. So good. He's hit this breaking point And there's a lot of uncertainty. And he's praying to Catholic God. Very Catholic. I like to imagine he's in an abandoned cathedral on his knees crying. I don't know. He's praying to the saints to protect her. That's what the lyrics say. And he's... Okay. It says first it says, Come angels of the Lord. And then there's a pause. And then it's come angels of unknown. So first he's like, hey God, like, help me out here. But then he's also like not even necessarily God. Fucking anything. Help me out right now. Like help her. Like, is she okay? Stuff like that. So Um now it's Thank You for the Venom, where he starts killing again, but it feels much more I guess not spiteful, but it's, it's more intentional. Like, I don't think he's really cruising anymore. He's more just like, I need to fucking get this done. But it's, he's, he's kind of freaking out. And there's some wonderful stuff, you know, um, uh, preach all you want, but who's going to save me? I keep a gun on the book he gave me. Hallelujah, lock and load. Um, good stuff. It's some good religious imagery. A lot of... Running, pills, guns. I think it's kind of just reflecting on the way that things were before she died, but also just like the things that he's been willing to do to get her back and how it's not easy for him when he actually thinks about it. So that's, it's wonderful. And then Hang him High kind of builds on that, but it's more of a, like he's getting back into this. Killing thing, but it's less of like a fun spree thing, and more of like a weird, almost I want to say satanic, cause that's no, but it's it's a weird kind of cuckoo thing. I don't know. I kind of get the sense in this song that he's not doing very well mentally, um, and it's very it's a very yeehaw song. It's so western, um, you know. Ride into the sunset. There's a hearse, six-gun, shotgun sinners. What else is there? Oh, mass... Okay, this is is a direct quote. Mass convulsions strike the choir by the grace of God. Gorgeous! Just so good! So to me, it's kind of like he's getting really into this god stuff. He's getting really into the, the devil's gonna, like, save her and all this stuff. And, um, it's, it's good stuff. Um, I love this song. He's, he's not in it so much for the killing like he was before. He's more in it now, not even to get her back, just to sort of be involved with this good old devil guy. And I think it's, it's wonderful. Um, now you have, This is when the breakdown really comes. Um, It's not a fashion statement. It's a death wish. He's just... It's a lot. He's kind of thinking about, like, fuck. Like, Like, look at what I've done. But also, like, I have to keep going. But also, like, he's not mentally sound at this point, I wouldn't say. And things are not looking great for him I guess um there almost seems to be a sort of like resentment building towards the demolition woman because like like look at everything I've done and you're not even here like it's just I don't know and he even says um it says promise me that when I've gone you'll kill my enemies which almost implies that he's he doesn't even care about being with her anymore and once she comes back he doesn't expect to be with her like he he's expecting that there's not gonna be like they're not gonna be together he's going to be probably dead um and he'll keep doing this for her but it's not things are never gonna be the way that he that he wanted them to be and I think that's what this song really is is him just like realizing like well I've done all this stuff but like it's not gonna work out and I also think there's an aspect where this is total speculation but I think you know that classic thing where it's like you bring someone back from the dead but they're not the same and I think that might be part of this where it's like he's worried or maybe he has confirmation that if she comes back it's not gonna be the same um I don't know I've always kind of really liked the idea that she would come back but she would just have like a still have a bullet wound like in the middle of her forehead or something like I've always kind of liked that but um next we have cemetery drive which is to me is just like it's his like descent like it's it's too much for him (laughs) he can't handle it anymore like I don't know he's like really reflecting on this relationship but um it's I think this song is really just, like, him finally being able to grieve, but it's not... It's, like, it's a lost cause. It's, like, he can grieve all he wants, but there's nothing... Like, he's gonna keep going. Like, even if he's, he's come to terms with the fact that she's dead, it doesn't matter because he has to keep going. He has to bring her back. He's come this far, and also he just, I guess, likes killing people to an extent. Um... And that brings us to the final song. One of the greatest songs ever written in all of human history. I never told you what I do for a living. I saw it live, by the way, just in case you were wondering. Um, It's phenomenal. And I would just say, like, just listen to it. Or at least just, like, read the lyrics. Um, it's, he's... I don't like it when people... I feel like it's a very cop-out horror thing when people are like, and then they went crazy! But I think... and I don't think crazy really means a whole lot, but I think he's just... uh, He's lost it! What else can you say? I think he's really, really deeply invested in this religious side of things. I think he's really lost himself in this... I don't know. I don't want to say it's a holy mission because I feel like there's... like, he understands this isn't the best thing to be doing. But I think it's really, like, everything's overwhelming. Everything, all the time, is just dead people everywhere. He's thinking about a lot of them. He's also thinking about, like, I think this is when the resentment towards the demolition woman really becomes, like, apparent. Like, he's, he's like, look what I did for you and look what I've been forced to do because of you. And it's not... He's not happy about it um, and I don't know he's talking about there's so much blood he can't get it off of him to me it's very it's so so lady Macbeth like this song is wonderful it's so Macbeth um, and yeah he's just like he's talking about the the book of names that he keeps and how it's just endless and how none of it really means anything to him anymore um, he talks more about the angels. He talks about them not helping him. Um, And then he also just... As the song goes on, it gets more and more desperate. And he kind of talks about how, like, the killings he's done. Obviously, he says it's not for the money. It's not for the fame. Um, But it's also not for her. It's for the sake of it. And it's for what he thinks it means to this god, right? And it's just... Oh, it's wonderful. And then... A little trigger warning. By the end, he's not doing well, and I feel like the he's kind of started to feel this sort of maybe not even guilt, but just like futility. (laughs) Like, oh, I did that. Um, Wow, not much I can really do from here. And uh, at this point, he has nine hundred and ninety nine of his one thousand souls. For this part, I think he goes back west. Um, He goes back west after doing his whole killing spree. And he kills himself. He kills himself as the last soul. It's not a very happy ending. Um, And that's just... That's where it leaves off. I think he killed himself in the desert back where they started because... Ugh! The desert. And also, like, if you listen to Desert Song in that context, it kind of makes sense. Um, not really, because Desert Song's, like, very clearly, Gerard is an alcoholic, and things are bad. So, I kind of don't like attributing that to the story, and also Desert Song is just the greatest thing ever made. Um, but, like, yeah, he, um, he kills himself in the desert. Maybe. It's not really confirmed, but it's implied. And we don't... One of my favorite things about this story is that we have no idea if she actually comes back. Like, nobody knows. Is it actually, you know, was the devil lying? Maybe. Was it all in his head? No. I fucking hate that. I hate it when it's like, it was all a hallucination. No, it wasn't, actually. Stop. Um, (laughs) Yeah, that's... That's pretty much it. I hope that helps when you're listening to these albums. Cause you are regularly. I know you are, like I am, and I'm not delusional. And I truly believe that. I believe that you love them just as much as I do, just like everyone else on planet Earth thinks that Mike Chemical Romance is the greatest band ever made. So that's that's the whole story for you. This has been almost 50 minutes. I hope you listen to this on two times speed. If you did listen to it. And I kind of hope you didn't. So. Yeah, that's your. This was my test podcast. This was my my on a whim. I'm going to, to, to book a booth. So I have a reason to walk down to the library late at night. And. I talked to you for 50 minutes um I hope you enjoyed I hope you know just how deeply I love Gerard Way and I hope you listen to at the very least Demolition Lovers Hang them High and I don't know I'll say To The End I think that one's good um Thank you for listening to my podcast. (laughs) I have no idea how I'm going to export this 50-minute file, um, let alone make it accessible to you, but we'll figure that out. Um, I love you very much, and I can't wait to hear about King John from you. Wow. (laughs)